We've come to the, the book of Acts chapter 14, and prior to, to going into our text in, in verse 1 of, of chapter 14, I want to take time this morning just to give thanks to the Lord for, um, on this Sunday, 12 years ago, was the first Sunday for Reverence Bible Church. I was significantly younger back then. So were you. We, we, uh, we, we think of what God has accomplished over these, over these 12 years. And brothers and sisters, he's been so kind to our church, hasn't he? He's been so good to our church. You, you think of planting a church in Orange County and, and doing all that... that um, the, the preparation and, and thinking of, of, of what it might be like and, and how things will go and, and not knowing what's around the corner, not knowing what God has planned for it, and then to watch him work. I, I've said this before, but um, some of you, you all are, are like, you're, you're incredible planners and you're you're visionaries, and you, you look at, at the way that you want things to happen, and then you set goals, and you go for it, and it's awesome, and, and you watch it all happen just the way that you planned. And I don't, I don't, I, I think our elders would agree that, that that's, not, that's not me. Some of them are in that, that place. I, I was meeting with another pastor this, this week, and he, he was asking me, like, what, what do you tell people when they ask you, like, your vision for the church, like, for the future? What, what do you tell them? And I said, honestly, like, I, I just tell them my, my vision is that next week we will, like, faithfully preach through God's Word. We'll faithfully go through and study God's Word and see Christ in it. And, and that the goal for next week is that next week you fall more deeply in love with Christ than you were this week? That, that we'd be in a place where th- there would be such a passion for Christ in his word, your love for him would grow to where it fuels everything that you do? Your marriages, being parents, being kids, your workplace, missions, your prayer life, the way in which you spend funds, the way in which you choose where you're gonna live, the way in which you decide how you're gonna spend time with your friends, the way in which evangelism takes place, that our love for Christ and our love for the lost and for our neighbor would be so great as a result of seeing and, and tasting of the greatness of our Savior that it would just fuel everything that we do. That, that's my vision. And then I, my, my prayer is that the following week we will do the same thing. And then we just keep doing this. And, and when the Lord returns, we, we will know him better and better as a result of it. And Lord willing, we'll be a healthy church and we'll watch God accomplish what he's going to accomplish. And I think this pastor appreciated that, but in his mind, it's, okay, but what's the next project, or what's the next thing, and how's it going to go next? And for me, I look at it as like, if you would have told me that less than five years into our church that we'd own this building, I would not have thought that that would have happened. But my, my faith would have been far smaller. If, if you had told me what my 15-year plan was, it would be like, probably be like in maybe a commercial building 
and we will be paying $30,000 a month in the lease and doing what so many churches do like that, it would not have been being here. It would not have been having a sanctuary like this. It would not have been the number of people who are here. It would not have been a school that meets on our property Monday through Friday. It would not have been that glorifies Christ, and it would not have been all that has taken place. It would not have been that way. It would have just been smaller than that, I think. And yet God's plans are far bigger than that. Far bigger. We've come to Acts chapter 14. And we see the, the, these missionary journeys of, of Paul and, and Barnabas. In verse 1 it says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of the Greeks, believed. They go to these cities that are foreign cities, these cities in which there are no believers. And they go and they preach the gospel. But notice that it says, and they so spoke. They spoke in such a way of Christ and Him crucified. They spoke in such a way of what God has done for them and that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. They so spoke of what God has accomplished and so spoke of how God has planned this from eternity to save for himself a people. He so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews, verse 2, stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord. Some of these things go against like our natural thoughts. Here, here it is that... The unbelieving Jews are stirring up the Gentiles, poisoning their minds. So as a result of it, let's stay here for a long time. Let's stay here for a long time and continue to preach boldly the gospel. And they do. Who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. So they become aware that, that, that there's those that desire to abuse them and to stone them. And so they look at this and say, Let's go to another region. They want to do this. Let's not be at a place of being reckless. Let's look in this. Let's go to an, another place that God's called us to be. And they were preaching the gospel there. There's a single-mindedness that's there as far as let's preach the gospel here, but now the Holy Spirit's moving us to go to this other area. Now let's preach the gospel in this place. So they do. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, and Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. The man walked, or he leaped, and he walked. See, there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. Here they go into this new area, and here's this man. He has no ability to, to walk from the time that 
He came from his mother's womb. From birth, he never had walked. I've seen people like that. The legs have been atrophied to a place where they're, they're, they're as tiny as, as, as you can imagine. In a place like this, much like Africa, where, where you'll see them just pulling themselves on the ground wherever they go, just dragging their legs to get to wherever they need to be. And here's this man listening to Paul speaking. He's listening to Paul as Paul's proclaiming the gospel. He's listening to Paul as, 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 as Paul is, is calling people towards repentance. And observing him intently, Paul's observing him intently, sees that he has faith to be healed. Stand up straight on your feet, and the man leaps and walks. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermas, and because he was the chief speaker. The, then the priest of Zeus, whose, whose temple was in front of, of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. So there's a story that came out of this particular region of these two gods that, that had come from, from door to door, house to house, and asking for help, but nobody did. And they went to this, this one house of a man named Philemon and his wife. And, and the story goes as far as within their culture that is recorded to this day is that that man, his little house became a palace and everybody else's houses were totally, completely destroyed. And so these people may have been thinking, more than likely were thinking this way to where they assume that these same two gods are these two men that have come down and now this guy's been healed and, and so th- they're going to go in the opposite direction. Let's do whatever we can. Let's not be the ones whose houses get flooded and destroyed. Let's be the ones that get the palaces. And so they, they're thinking that way. But when the apostles, Barnabas and, and, and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in the, that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. They began preaching. And yet, in it all, the people still want to go into a direction of wanting to make sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. Sin that, that is there, and, and, and they're, they're saying, no, it's not us. It's not about us. Turn to the living God. It's not us. Turn to Christ. But there's hardness within the people's hearts. They continue to want, make, to want to make sacrifices to them. In verse 19, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. What a radical verse. Here's Paul proclaiming Christ in this region. And they take him and they stone him. The community has come around him as a mob and they begin to throw rocks, large rocks, at him to where he is bloodied 
and beaten to where everybody assumes that he's dead. He's gone. He's knocked out. He's, he's in a place where he is just so torn up from all of these rocks that they drag him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. In my mind, I picture this scene as far as here's this man, that the Apostle Paul, that has been just pummeled with these rocks. He's unconscious. They drag him, his bloody, bruised, broken body, out of the city. The disciples all get around him. What should we do with him? We need to go bury him. He's, he's dead. They killed him. There's another martyr. It's the Apostle Paul. He was such a good teacher. I wish that he was with us longer. And then all of a sudden, guys, <laughs> still here. Let's go back into the city. It's, it's, it's not the way that some of our minds would think. We wouldn't think, let's go back to that city where they just threw rocks at me until I was thrashed almost dead but in his mind let's, can you guys help me out let's go back to the city there is resolve in this man as far as just whatever is most to the glory of God and to my own good my joy regardless of what comes my way I just want Christ to be exalted can you imagine this man's witness going back into that city can you imagine how the Lord would work in this man's life as, as he goes back to the same region in which he has just been stoned by the people? But he goes back. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They go and, and it's just, let's preach the gospel again. Let's preach the gospel in this area. And then we're going to go to Lystra, and then we're going to go to Iconium, and then we're going to go back to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Here they go back, and it's just, let's strengthen the souls of the disciples Let's encourage them. Let's go back to these areas and let's just be a blessing wherever we go. We want the saints to be encouraged. Let's do that. Let's proclaim Christ. Let's proclaim his sovereignty. Let's proclaim the gospel. Let's make it so that they're strengthened. They, let's make it so that, that they know like they tried to kill me, but like I didn't die. It just mostly did. I, I, you know, like it, it hurt bad, but, but we got up, we went back to the city and then we went to another area and now we've come to other areas and Greeks are believing, Gentiles are believing, left and right. There's Jews that are believing. The church is growing. Let's strengthen the souls of the disciples. May that be where our hearts are. <laughs> if you're feeling weak this morning, may you be strengthened in knowing that God can do all things. There's nothing that's too hard for him. Expect great things for, from him. Just expect them. And attempt great things for him.
worship him. Love him. Know that, 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 that even though there's tribulations, many tribulations that come against us, that's expected. So they persecuted him. Be, be at a place where it's just, I'm, I'm so single-minded that I, I just, I want people to know Christ. And if it's going from city to city or door to door or friend to friend or family member to family member, I want more than anything for people to know Christ. So let's strengthen the souls of the disciples. Let's exhort them to continue in the faith. Let's exhort them that even though pressures are coming around us, that God's still sovereign. Even though they, they threw rocks to, to kill me and dragged me out of the city as if I was dead. That there was the guy that was, was born crippled and, and he was leaping and walking and God saved him. There's nothing that's hard for him. He tells us that we're going to be persecuted. He tells us that these things are going to happen, but it doesn't mean that we're to turn away. It doesn't mean that we're to flee the faith. Rather, exhort them to continue in the faith. You hear in 2 Timothy 3.10 where Paul's talking and he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them... All the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But what did God do? He's talking about his time in this area. He says, God delivered me from every bit of it. Every bit of it. Was life easy for him? No. You hear the list of things that he went through. You heard about it. The way that I live, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance, the persecutions, the afflictions. But God, he, he carried me through every part of it. And he did. So when they had appointed elders in every church, we see another thing these missionaries are doing. They're going from place to place. They're proclaiming the gospel. But they're appointing elders in every church. They're appointing elders to be the overseers of the souls within the church making sure that they're qualified according to 1st and 2nd Timothy and, to, and, and Titus. Are they qualified for this particular place? And they're appointing elders in every church. And they're praying and fasting. They're in prayer. And they're fasting. They know their dependence upon God and they're just calling upon Him. God, direct us. God, give us wisdom. God, enable us. God, cause your name to be glorified. God, cause the gospel to go forward. God, accomplish these things. Strengthen the brethren. Build up your church. God, work in these ways. And they're just totally dependent upon God to do it. As we are today. We are totally dependent upon God in every area of our lives, aren't we? In every area of our lives. We're dependent upon God to give us the strength and the wisdom and, and, and to guide our steps. And, and so they're there and just all these things are happening, but they're in prayer and they're fasting. They realize that they can't do it on their own. And so it's just God do it. And he is, and he does. And they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. 
They go back to Antioch, the place in which they were sent out. Now you hear a number of cities here, huh? There's so many cities in which they've gone to. And yet, they finally come back and it's, this is where you guys laid hands on us and sent us out. This is what God accomplished for his glory and for the building up of the church and saving of souls. This is what God did. They, they, they attribute all of it to the Lord. This is what God has done. We had been committed to the grace of God for the work. It was all a result of the grace of God accomplishing these things. And he did, and he worked mightily. In verse 27, it says, And when they had come and gathered to the church and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. They get together and they say, This is what God has done. This is what God has done. We are at 12 years on this morning. I got a sweet message from one of the saints of our church this week. The thing that blessed me the most is that he signed it, founding member of Reverence Bible Church. <laughs> Just bless me. I think back to those first meetings in my family room. And here, his identity is founding member of Reverence Bible Church. I was there at the beginning. But he, as well as all of us, will say, it was God. It was God. Every bit of it was God. From beginning to end, it was the Lord. It is not any one person within our congregation. It is all the Lord. All of it. All of the glory goes to him. He worked in spite of us, not because of us. It was all him. I think of the last 12 years... And I just think, let's just report of all that God has done. That's what the Lord did. There's been people that have come in our church and have left. There's been people that have got saved and left from there to serve in other churches. There's been people that have been here from the very beginning. There's been people who's just, your faith has grown so much. You love Christ so much more now than when you first started coming. The Lord's worked so mightily in my heart over these years. 12 years ago, I had just married a couple months no kids so much freedom (laughs) and now we have number four on the way God accomplishes his purposes God works so mightily for the sake of his glory and his fame and he does it, and he's faithful to do it, and he continues to be faithful. He was faithful to do it in Acts chapter 14. And he's faithful to do it in 2017. In Romans 15, verse 15, it says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points, as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister to Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, 
in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that Jerusalem and roundabout Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. He's talking about these missionary journeys and he's just saying, God did mighty signs and wonders. The Spirit of God worked. I'm not going to speak of anything except for the things that he did. And I fully preach the gospel of Christ. So now I'm going to go to Spain. I want to go to Spain. And I just look at that and think, God help us to be in a place of just pouring ourselves into ministering the gospel to all that come our way. Strengthening the brethren. Looking at new inventions where God will be more glorified as a result of our lives. Never being comfortable where we're at as far as like, we're good. Think of a family that I met where they talked about, we were at the tent at Calvary Chapel during the Jesus days. We did so much. It's amazing. But now we're just tired of people, so we're going to go focus on animals. So they moved. And I, they didn't go to our church. Thank God. But like, no, I wish they did, but I, I'm glad that none of you would think that way, I don't think. I pray. I, I like animals. But still, you get like letters and stuff, protest outside. But... but we don't get tired of people. We, we don't retire from what God's called us to. We minister and we watch God work. May we fully preach the gospel of Christ. In verse 28, it says, so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Just a long time with them. They were ministered to by them and they were ministering to them and they were growing and they were watching God continue to accomplish his purposes, they stayed there with them. So brothers and sisters, what does God have next in store for us? I, I don't know. But may our faith be great. May we expect great things from him. And by his grace and through his calling, so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, may we attempt great things for him through his enabling. In Psalm 42, it says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hope in God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you accomplished, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the honor, Lord. We thank you that the gospel goes forward and we pray that you would work in us even more so as a result of just your word this morning. You hear the apostles just saying, I I went here and I went there and then I went to that place and then they stoned me and they thought I was dead, but then I got up and went back to the same city. May we hear these words and may it just encourage us to be single-minded for you, to trust you, to be led by you, to be in a place of of excited about how you might work in such a way that you are more glorified in each and every one of our lives. May may we not be just satisfied with the stuff of this world or satisfied with sin or longing to build up more treasures here on earth. May we be heavenly minded and look into a place of how could Christ be more exalted in our lives and how can the gospel be spread How can we love people the way that we ought to? How can we minister to the church? How can we 
strengthen the brethren. How can we do these things for your glory and through your enabling as we watch you work so mightily? We pray for that, Lord. I pray for wisdom for each and every individual, wisdom for our church. May we never take steps that are outside of where you've called us. What a wonderful thing it is to be in alignment with your will so that you might glorify yourself as much as possible. And Lord, we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.